1: continued at scs.georgetown.edu/podcast. You know, as a mother, it hurts my heart to think that, you know, that any child who's born in certain areas of our community are going to live longer lives or shorter lives because of the environment that they're born in. From the Fox
0: 6 studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. Advocate Aurora is not just part of the fabric of Wisconsin, it's one of the biggest health systems in the U.S. With hospitals and hundreds of care sites serving millions of patients, One of the people advancing health and wellness far beyond an exam room is Christy Garcia-Thomas. From her headquarters in Walker's Point, we get into the ways that Advocate Aurora is trying to lessen economic and racial disparities in our community and the larger effect that has on health. And as a proud member of Milwaukee's Hispanic population and a powerful female executive in the city, we explain how she's creating more opportunities for those groups. Plus, as the former president of UPAF, the United Performing Arts Fund, what makes Milwaukee such a thriving city from an arts perspective? One other quick note, we did tape this before the coronavirus pandemic reached Wisconsin, so no COVID-19 talk on this pod. But there is a wide-ranging conversation with one of the more impactful people in our city that you may not know about, Christy Garcia-Thomas. We are hanging out uh, in the downtown headquarters of Advocate Aurora, joined by Christy Garcia Thomas. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: I should ask you, have you done a podcast interview before? Are we breaking new ground here for you?
1: Well, I have done one before All right. with uh, UWM. So. Very
0: nice. So we got that out of the way. Now you're a pro and an expert. I don't this, know if right? I'm
1: a pro, but <laughs> I'm happy to participate.
0: There's a lot I want to ask you about and a lot we want to get into about an organization that, that means so much to the community means so much to a lot of people, too. But uh, it's probably a basic question to start with, what exactly does a chief external affairs officer do? I imagine maybe it's more what do you not do, but what does your role entail?
1: Yeah, you uh, remind me of my uh, high school daughter who asked that question (laughs) quite frequently. So I have the honor and responsibility to oversee for Advocate Aurora Health our community relations, our community health, our diversity and inclusion, and our foundation strategies for our company.
0: I was gonna ask a little bit about uh, your background down the road, but in general, the healthcare field, what are the challenges, what are the the things that kind of motivate you in this field versus another line of work that you could have gone into?
1: Yeah, so I, um, I have always been, since I was uh, young, someone who felt that your health and well-being was a key indicator to your overall happiness in life. I come from a really large family and I've seen uh, various family members uh, struggle with different healthcare issues, and our fundamental belief is we want to keep people healthy. We want to keep people out of the hospital. We want to help people keep themselves at their healthiest, best that they can be so that they can live a happier, fuller life, which gets to our purpose of we help people live well.
0: Yeah how often do you kind of stop to think about the the tens of thousands of people or millions of patients that the work that you do and your team does is actually impacting around here?
1: Yeah, is so, it- you know, in the role that I'm in, I have the honor of connecting one-on-one with our patients, our community members who who are constantly reminding me and telling me of these amazing stories from that our caregivers provide to them. Um, but then when I think about the fact that um, we're now advocate of our health and we touch um, millions of lives, it's, you know, when you kind of step back and think mm-hmm. about the magnitude of of the people we serve, yeah. it's a little overwhelming or, you know, daunting to think, you know, we are responsible for the health of many people.
0: How do you balance the um, kind of overarching big picture projects or, or efforts that you have with? what it ends up boiling down to, like you said, kind of a one-on-one relationship between a healthcare provider and a patient. That's what most people will interact with.
1: We know that everybody is different, and that's what diversity is. It's about differences. And so although I may be a female and although I may be Hispanic, my unique needs are very different than other female Hispanics. And how do we then begin to understand what's important in the health and well-being of each individual that we serve so that we can build out better clinical care plans Hmm. that have the voice of our patients influencing the direction in which they want to go.
0: One of the things I've, I've been struck by in the thankfully few and far between cases where I've had to be at the hospital, whether for me or whether for my family members, is I think I have noticed a change where people are so much more attentive to your Your background, your beliefs, what you need in terms of whether it's religious, whether it's it's cultural, has that maybe been a change over the years? The more awareness of, and the more uh, understanding, or or want to to help someone feel as comfortable as they possibly can.
1: Absolutely, you know, healthcare. We've always been in the people business, Mm -hmm. right? We serve people. Ultimately, what we want are the same equitable outcomes across all of the patients that we serve. But we know that there are gaps in in um, outcomes for certain segments of our population. And to get those same equitable outcomes, we have to understand the nuances of what's influencing some of the behaviors. So, you know, I'll use my dad for example. He was diabetic and couldn't control his sugar levels. And a big part of it was because he was given a diet that didn't have any of the foods Uh, that he was accustomed to eating so until he was able to receive that type of information he never really got control of his of his diabetes Hmm. Um,
0: without breaking any HIPAA
1: laws or anything
0: anything come to mind recently stories you've heard where you're like man that person really did it well or that that that's what we're trying to do in terms of those connections or those those patient experiences that really turn out well
1: yeah well we've got a program at Aurora Sinai where we're addressing hypertension for and diabetes for African Americans. And so um, we bring we open up our facility to bring in community members that are our patients or live in the neighborhood uh, so that we can begin to educate them around how to better control hypertension, how to eat healthy, how to cook healthy mm. in ways that allow, those individuals to participate and begin to, you know, own and control their own behaviors. So you can't really get change if, if people aren't, Understanding the behaviors that they have to change in order to get the outcomes that we're looking for, and
0: does that kind of go to uh, some of the big picture things that you do? That you don't want to just have Aurora be on the side of once people are sick coming in, but if you can change the way that entire communities cook or eat or live their lives, then that that starts the process much earlier.
1: It does. It's absolutely the way uh, we look at this when we think about our community health strategy. We know that about eighty percent of The issues that are impacting our patients are outside of our clinical care. Um, It's called social determinants of health. So it's around housing, it's around employment, it's around food insecurities, it's around safety. A lot of those indicators are what are impacting people's health, but those are things that are traditionally outside of, you know, a healthcare, what you get in a clinical office. And so We have become um, very aggressive in our community health strategy uh, that we launched a few months ago around how we want to be more active in the community at addressing issues around housing, food insecurity, workforce development, things that we know that will help lead to better health outcomes and help people live well. So if you think about it, if, if you don't have a job, Uh, you can't you don't have the money to have the access to the right food yeah right so it's this cyclical uh, dynamic but we've been very aggressive with our community health strategy on how we're going to engage in the community that way.
0: If this is the same thing, is there was a recent announcement about like a $50 million pledge from Advocate Aurora. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah. so in addition to not only working in um, partnering and addressing some of the social determinants of health, we also made the announcement that we would have a $50 million investment fund that would work to address areas within both states to help address life expectancy. So we know that in certain zip codes depending upon where you're born there's a 26 year gap um between uh, life expectancy depending upon where you're born and a big part of that has to do with your ability to have access Uh, to housing, to food, to uh, employment, to, you know, a a number of those things. And so we're looking to use this investment fund as. um, and working with um, CDFIs. So it will be a loan that will provide to various partners that will address areas of primarily six categories, whether it's around food security, whether it's around new business development, around safety, around helping address access to primary care, whether it's through community health or FQHCs, but if there's ways in which we can apply this loan to help address issues in those particular communities, and then ultimately what our our vision and uh, long-term goal is to increase life expectancy by 5% in the next 10 years. Wow,
0: that's fascinating. And that yeah. the age gap, I mean, that's astounding for people to kind of... Con- think about and consider that it can be that big decades.
1: Between. Yeah, I mean, it is it is astounding. And then, uh, as, you know, as a mother, it hurts my heart to think that, you know, that any child who's born in certain areas of our community are going to live longer lives or shorter lives because of the environment that they're born in. And I don't think that that's a way for any child to, you know, start their first day on this earth. I just don't think that that's what our society would want for any, for any child.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to start the race either way behind or way ahead. You want everyone to have that even, even go at it. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, because uh, I, I know you weren't always in the healthcare field. So how did you get started? Are you from the Milwaukee area originally, or what, what's your background? How did you end up uh, as such an established face here in Milwaukee with Aurora?
1: I'm originally from a small town in Kansas, Newton, Kansas. I uh, was born and raised there. Um, went to college at Kansas State, and I have a journalism degree. And so I started working for a Knight Ritter company, um, a newspaper, the Wichita Eagle, um, and had been there for about five years when I got a call from the Journal Company, which no longer exists. Yeah. But at that time, they owned the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and. TMJ4 and various broadcast radio stations. So they started recruiting me to Milwaukee to uh, work for them. And, And so I said yes. And in 1998, 22 years ago, I moved to Milwaukee and was one of the executives for the journal company. I worked for them for about 10 years. As my career had taken off with the journal company and I had gotten married and my life here was taking off on a personal note. I recognize that, you know, it was time for me to make a change from an industry perspective. I'm, I'm extremely passionate about the media industry. I, I believe wholeheartedly in good journalism and how it helps the community. But from a business perspective, it was, you know, an industry that was dealing with a lot of challenges. So fortunately for me, I got a call uh, to be the CEO of the United Performing Arts Fund. So I was had the pleasure of serving in that capacity for about five years before I got a call to come and work at Aurora.
0: Yeah. Nate, I was going to ask you about UPAF, so that's a perfect uh, transition there. I don't necessarily know if people have an understanding for just what it's done for the arts community here in Milwaukee. There's an amazing talent level of actors and musicians and dancers and everything here. And a big part of that is because of UPATH being such a, a strong supporter of that. How vital is that organization, since you know it so well as a past president, to fostering the arts, to keeping the arts at such a high level here in Milwaukee? Right.
1: So Milwaukee has the highest arts available per capita, so for a city our size. So for us to have a symphony and a ballet and opera and a children's theater is really remarkable for a city our size so we you know if you compare us from a per capita uh, we have just the same amount as you'd find in you know chicago or whatnot and the quality of the arts here is just remarkable and phenomenal so what UPAF is to the arts is it is the largest funder to the arts organizations because of their ability to run employee campaigns and all of the large companies in the city and, and garner the support that it needs to help feed and fuel uh, those organizations. When I think about it from a, just a business perspective and a civic engagement perspective, you know, one of the challenges that Milwaukee has had over the time that I've lived here is how to retain top talent, how to retain a younger professional, how to make sure that the best and the brightest um, want to come and, and be in Milwaukee. And I think the arts play a huge role in that because it creates a vibrancy in the city um, that if it, if the arts weren't here, our downtown would not be as bustling. Of course, you've got, I mean, you've got the bucks and you've got the brewers, but, and they pay, play a huge role, but the arts do As well, and I think that in order for us to grow as a economic engine um, and gain new businesses into this market, you know, having a symphony, having a ballet, having first stage, first stage is phenomenal, um, is just critical to our civic engagement.
0: Yeah, and I know from doing a few of these interviews, they're different choreographers or artists in different mediums that have come here for a job, fallen in love with Milwaukee, like it sounds like you have, and then, yeah, continue to kind of raise the level of things for everyone else as well. It's amazing how that kind of turns over for folks also. yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite, uh, if there's like a night out you're going on, favorite theater you'd choose or favorite uh, show that you'd love to see or anything like well,
1: that? Well, you know, I, I, obviously you could probably tell. I So my daughter was born when I was CEO of UPATH, and so... She and I attended lots of arts performances and continue to this day. I mean, you know, I, I, I bet, you know, we went to eight nutcrackers of the Milwaukee Ballet and so on and so on. But first stage has always had a special place in my heart just because of how they're building character and leadership in the young student's of milwaukee so not only do they put on great plays but i'm telling you that the the kids that are part of first stage go on to be phenomenal leaders in whatever it is that they decide to do whatever career it is but the outcomes that they produce is just phenomenal
0: You mentioned being a a proud member of the Hispanic community here in town as well, and and so much of the history in Milwaukee is the German heritage, the Italian heritage, things like that. What have you enjoyed seeing about the growth of the Hispanic community over the time that you've been here and and the impact that's had on Milwaukee as it continues to
1: add to the city? Yeah, well, you know, we're sitting here in uh, Walker's Point, Mm -hmm. uh, which if, you know, if I look out the window, you can see the um, economic development that has happened on, around us uh, and around the near south side of Milwaukee. When I think about the Hispanic community as a whole, um, it is the only population that's growing in the city. So as we look at the city's numbers and we think about how our city is evolving, the Hispanic population is playing a much more significant role in the city. So when I first moved here 22 years ago, it you know, it it wasn't at the same size that it is today. And what I've really appreciated and you know, enjoyed is not, you know, not only just having the cultural aspects here that I had back home with my family, but seeing um, the leadership of the Hispanic community really give back. So if you think about the Hispanic professionals of greater Milwaukee who are really focusing in on how do we not only get our Hispanic students to graduate from high school, but to go to college and get career paths and build pathways for people to have opportunities to achieve their dreams, but also economic sustainability. So one of the things that is a concern to me with the Hispanic community is that um, we have a very low unemployment rate. So the majority of the Hispanics are working, but they're also living in poverty. So they're working two jobs. And so how do we upscale that, right? How do we get people access and skill sets to higher paying opportunities? And that's a big thing that we have here at Aurora. So. We've got workforce development programs where we're bringing in um, individuals, training them on a uh, in a career, and then we've got additional training programs to get them into different skill you know um, levels of the organization. So you could come in as at entry level, and then because of the size and scope of our organization, you could take on four or five different careers within our organization because we're training you and then helping you upscale and get into different roles and responsibilities
0: and like we were talking about at the beginning that all ties back to health right if you're working two jobs you're probably not sleeping a lot you're probably not there to kind of keep track of your kids as much as you'd want and everything Mm -hmm. like that it all kind of goes back to that i was going to ask you about this too being a, a female executive here in the city, uh, we know nationwide, we're seeing still more of a gap between opportunities for women in higher executive roles. Do you take on some of that responsibility as well to to foster younger women coming up through the ranks and kind of build some paths for other people to reach the heights that you have?
1: Yeah, so I I fundamentally believe that I have to give back. I think that, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today if someone um, wasn't willing to open the door for me and and i had a lot of people in my life who opened the door for me and so if there's anything that i can do is you know one-on-one is help open the door for others and you know yes there is still a gap in uh women executives and corporate roles you know we are making progress but it's slow but progress is still progress right direction Um, at least, right direction and so a lot of times when i'm with uh younger female professionals, you know, I'm, I'm always encouraging them to um, feel comfortable taking a risk that, that um, I, I promise you that every job that I've taken, I didn't have all the answers uh, and didn't have the knowledge base um, when I first took those jobs. But I believe that if you're educated and you're smart, you're going to figure it out. And, and you can do that, right? So have the courage to take on new roles, new responsibilities. And when you're there, have the courage to have a voice at the table. You're at the table, so make sure your voice is heard. That's not always comfortable uh, for women, especially earlier in their careers. You know, and it was a, something that I had to learn as well. But I think it's important so that women can continue to grow and flourish and have upward mobility and I fully believe that women are very capable uh, to do anything that they want to do.
0: I'll ask you just a couple more questions since you've been very kind with the time. Uh, First of all, since you mentioned being here 22 years now and putting down such roots in the city, I'd be curious what you think the biggest change that's happened in Milwaukee over that time. I've lived here for just basically three and a half, four years, and I've seen dramatic changes just in that time with everything happening for the city. But over a a little bit longer span, what do you think the, the biggest thing you've seen? shift has been.
1: Well, I got to give it to the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so when I first came here, um, you know, Glenn Robinson was playing and they were um, you know, pretty pretty talented yeah. team, but they, you know, um, went through a rough spot if you will, but you know, it's it's not just about what happened on the court, but I, you know, I think about uh Senator Cole and what he did for the Bucks in order for this community to have what we have today, which the serve yeah. and the books and that whole corridor around there is, you know, up into Brewer's Hill. You know, I know Joe um, uh, Zilber had a vision and those areas of our city were not what they are today. Yeah. And it is, it is really, you know, walk even, you know, the third ward, you know, all, all the things that are happening in this city are, Phenomenal and tremendous and you know when people come here they fall in love with it It is a great city to live work and play I'd like to see um, some of that extend out Into the areas of our community where we know the life expectancy is not Mm -hmm. the same and so how do we give that same um, opportunity and uh, create equity across Everybody who lives in in our community.
0: Thank you so much uh, for the work that you've done to, to increase things in our city as well. Thanks for the time also.
1: Well, you're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you.